0: We have been in a series that we started last week that really is a continuation of the series we began in the beginning of the year, talking about going into the future. And we started this series last week called Bold. Somebody say bold. Bold. Ooh, ooh, whoa, whoa, there was something to that. Uh Uh-oh, hold on, right? Yeah, we are called to be bold. We've been delving into this topic because it's really at the core of our DNA, now, here, where I'm coming from. I'm not talking about our molecular level, right? I'm talking about the divine nature of the Almighty in you. That DNA says that you are called to be bold. Proverbs 28, verse 1 says that the righteous are as bold as a lion. See, within you, there is greater strength than you know. Within you, there is greater capacity to do more in the kingdom of God. Within you, there is a lion heart that's crying out to roar, to do greater things, to step out in faith with God and see the miraculous happen in every moment of your life. Come on and give God some praise if you believe that. So we're talking about being bolder, bolder followers of Jesus, Bolder in our faith, but most importantly and specifically in the midst of this, uh, of this particular um, series, we're talking about being a bolder church. So today I want to speak to you from the heart of God. I want to encourage you, if you have the app, use it. Our notes are there. My notes are there. You'll see some fill-ins. I don't want you to just take my word at what you're hearing today. Because honestly, what I have to say, what we have to say really doesn't matter much. What's most important is, what does God say to us through the scriptures? And for that, we need to reflect. And so if you've got your, 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 your device, you, you've got the app, maybe you, you're a note taker like me, maybe you've got your journal with you, whatever you got to do, you want to write these things down because you want to go back to it. You don't want to take Pastor Jose at his word. You want to look to the holy scriptures and see what Jesus is speaking to you personally. Amen. And so today I want to speak to you from the topic that I feel, from a topic that I feel comes directly from the heart of God. It taps into our DNA as righteous people who are called to be bold. I want to talk to you today on the topic of bold commitment. Say that with me, bold commitment. Bold commitment. Oh, okay, this, this, really, this is real. Did we spike the coffee, guys? Oh, I know what it was. Pastor Anem empezó a hablar en español y ustedes se pusieron todos excitados. Y'all didn't know I could speak in tongues, right? (laughs) I do speak Spanish, too. You know my problem is? I read it, I write it, I speak it, but I think in English. So I'm constantly translating. You have no idea what the process was in my brain right now just to do that. We'll get there. We'll get there. You know, commitment means something to everyone. Let's be honest. Commitment means something to all of us. Everyone is committed to something at some level, in varying levels. For some of us, commitment is verbal. It's verbal. We commit to things, we say things, but maybe we don't follow through with action, right? If the shoe fits, please don't wear it anymore. It's time to change it, right? So we talk about it, but we lack action. For some of us, commitment is conditional. It's based on convenience, out commit to something as long as it fits my lifestyle, my agenda, my plans, my desires, my wants, right? Got quiet all of a sudden. Y'all still bold in here? Okay, all right. We still got some bold people in here. For some of us, commitment is a task to be fulfilled. I might as well just get this done, right? For some of us, commitment is a responsibility to be upheld. We take it seriously. Now, everyone has a definition and a level of commitment, but let me ask you a question. Here's a question that we have to wrestle with. What does commitment look like to God? That's the most important question. Not necessarily how we view commitment. Now, we, we have to be aware of where we are in our commitment level, but we have to consider What does commitment look like for us as followers of Christ? What should commitment look like for us as his church? What should commitment look like for us as a community of people invested in this community, in this region? What should that look like? Now, I know your your, your mind is racing right now. You're excited. That's great. Because I'm amongst lions right now who understand that they're called to be bold. But we got to dig into this a little bit more. So just before we get to uh, uh, Luke chapter 9, I want to give you some context of what's going on here. Jesus, in previous chapters, in, in a previous portion of, uh, of time in Scripture, it's recorded that Jesus had come to Samaria as a result of his encounter with a woman. And it says that, the, that they, they asked him to stay, and Jesus stood there, and he taught them, and he ministered to them. Now, that was a big no-no to begin with because he was Jewish. So that time had come and gone, and later on, towards the end of his ministry, Jesus is urgently pressing to get to Jerusalem. He's on his way to Jerusalem where he's going to be betrayed and crucified, and everybody thinks, you know, nobody understands what he's doing, but he understands that this has to happen in order for there to be salvation, forgiveness, a new life for you and me, for the whole world. Amen? And so Jesus is pressing, he's urgent in his approach towards Jerusalem. And while he's on the way there, people from Samaria get wind that Jesus is not too far from them. And they say, hey, Jesus, would you come over here to Samaria and spend some time with us again? And Jesus says, no. And they get offended. They get offended. They get upset. Now, a few people who are in this vicinity get wind of the fact that Jesus is coming through, and they declare their willingness to follow him. They declare they're going to follow him. But what we're going to see is that they weren't, in fact, intent on following him at all. And so, let's turn in our scripture, in the scriptures, turning your Bibles with me to Luke chapter nine, starting at verse fifty-seven. Starting at verse 57, it says, Now it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you, say this with me, wherever you go. I will follow you wherever you go. Wherever you're going, I'm going there. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Some people have wrongly interpreted this scripture to say Jesus was broke, busted and disgusted. He was homeless. He had nowhere to go. Jesus had nowhere to lay his head because he was always on the move. He was on mission. He was about you and me. He was about people. He had no time to stay in one location so he's constantly on the move. And then he said to another follow me. Say that with me. Follow me. See, that's the problem. We want Jesus to follow us. The shoe fits. Don't wear it. Let's change it. Jesus says, follow me. But the man replies to Jesus and says, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own Dead, yeah, let the bird, the dead bury their own dead. But you go and you do what? Preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, say this with me, I will follow you. Some of you lost your boldness there for a moment. I will follow you. But let me first go and bid farewell to those who are at my house. But Jesus said to him, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom. Strong words. Strong words. What we see is that these people declared a commitment to go where Jesus was going. But in fact, what we actually see is that they were not committed to being his followers. It's very different, two different spectrums here. Now, before I dig into that a little bit more, I think it's important to point out that what we see here is that, yes, commitment is a two-way street. How many of you would agree that commitment works best when it's a two-way street, right? Yeah, married couples, you know that, right? Commitment works when it's to one another, right? Check your Bible, Ephesians 5.21, submit to one another out of reverence for the Lord. Let's make sure we're doing that. So commitment works two ways. And what we see here, and we know by way of example, we know by way of the record in the Scripture, and we know by way of the life and the ministry recorded of Jesus We see that before Jesus ever asked anyone to commit to him, he made the commitment first. Tell somebody, Jesus is committed to you. Tell somebody else, Jesus is committed to you. He really is committed to you. From the scriptures, we have evidence that his commitment is characterized by a few things. Number one, we see that we are his priority. We are his priority. I prove it to you. He laid his life down for you. He gave his best. The Bible says that while we were still yet sinners, Christ died for us. Talk about prioritizing you. Even when I wasn't your priority, you were mine. So we're his priority. We also see by way of example and what the scriptures record of his life is that he's committed to seeking and finding as many of us. It's possible. He's on the lookout. He's searching continuously. The Bible depicts God as one whose eyes go to and fro over all the earth. He's seeking you and I. He longs for us. He wants relationship with us before he wants religion. Religion stinks. Relationship is real. We see that he is committed to doing the hard work that is necessary for our lives. Listen to what Jesus uses to depict how the kingdom works. A plow. A plow was a tool that was used to push to break ground. We're going to dig into this in a few different ways in a couple of minutes. But I want you to consider that he's equating the kingdom of God to pushing a plow. And before he ever asked you to push, he faithfully pushed for us. So he's committed. He's all in. He's got skin in the game. He laid down his life for us. We also see, by way of example, that he's committed to our growth and well-being. Again, we know that because a plow was used to break ground for the purposes of preparing property land so that it could bring a harvest so he does the hard work but he also calls us to participate in that somebody say well Uh. yeah I know I know it's hard I get it I get it commitment it doesn't quite roll off the tongue when we start thinking about it from God's perspective it's all right we're going to get free today so Jesus is focused on us like a farmer who is focused on breaking ground for the purposes of a harvest. Now, with this level of commitment, we have to ponder why these people wouldn't commit to following Jesus. I mean, think about it on a very practical level. Let's let's process this for a moment. Let's bring it to home base. Let's just think in our own lives. Would you commit to being in relationship with someone who demonstrates that level of commitment to you. I mean, would you, would you want to be in a committed relationship to someone that lays their life down for you, is willing to do the hard stuff, sticks it out, faithfully sees the best in you on your worst day? I mean, I don't know about you, but I, 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 that's the kind of commitment I want. Right? We all want that. And so what we see is that, essentially, friends and family, we all understand commitment. We value commitment. But the question is, do we live with that type of commitment towards Christ? Are you that committed to following Jesus? See, we want that commitment. But the question is, Will we commit that way? Will we commit that way? Friends, I assure you, there's no condemnation in this. Please don't use this as a moment to get into a pity party and beat yourself up. Use it as a point of revelation if God is speaking to you right now. And wrestle with this. Jesus, what are you actually telling me right now? Because I have nothing to say here, but Jesus definitely is speaking to you and me. Amen. To all of us. Amen? Amen? And so I want to propose some things that we should really process. Because truth is no good unless we actually meditate upon it, consider it, and then do something with it. Now, as we dig into this, I want to encourage you to be real with God and be real with yourself and be open to God and put before God. God, is, there's something that you're teaching me that I haven't known. God, is there something that you're showing me that is an error in my life? Maybe it's God, are you showing me a different course, a way I haven't been aware of before, something that I'm supposed to do? What's the application here, Lord? Is there something that you're specifically calling me to do? I guarantee you, friend, when you open your heart that way, you will be like good ground that produces much fruit. The first point I want to encourage us all, myself included, to to wrestle with, is that commitment to tasks without commitment to Christ is no commitment at all. Let me say that again. Commitment to tasks. Say that with me. Let's read this together. Commitment to tasks without commitment to Christ is no commitment at all. You might want to snap a picture of that if you're on the app. Make sure you you know you you're really chewing on that for a moment. You're writing notes. Take that, write that down. That's important. Sadly, commitment to Christ is reduced by many today to doing for Jesus without a commitment to being in a growing relationship with Jesus. That's the truth. For many Christians today, We major on doing for Jesus, but we minor on being in relationship with Jesus. And, friend, you may be committed to a task, but a commitment to a task is not not the equivalent to a commitment to loving and being in relationship with Jesus. We We gotta think about that. See, these people were committed. They were committed to the task, to the task of going where Jesus would go. They had that commitment. They were committed to go where Jesus wanted to go. But they were not committed to becoming followers of Jesus. Here I'm coming from. Jesus, I will go where you will physically go. But that doesn't mean their heart went with them. Can I ask you a question, friend? For you and for me. Let's have an honest moment with God right now. How are you doing in this area of commitment to a relationship with Jesus? I mean, how are you really doing? And we we need to hear this. He already knows. And yet he's still committed to us. So we gotta be honest. Like, I'm not asking you to raise your hand here and tell on yourself. But God knows all things. Are we truly committed? See, the term follower today really doesn't hold much value. Think about it. You can be a follower without commitment today. You can consider yourself, call yourself, be identified as a follower by simply clicking on a tab on a screen to be counted among others as a follower. You can wear a t-shirt and people will look at you and say, oh, you're a follower of Jesus. You can go to a building and be identified as a follower of Jesus, but the proof is a different story. The substance of commitment is completely different. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. I haven't done this in a while, but it feels kind of heavy in here right now. Would you say this with me? Just for me. I love Pastor Jose. Thank you. I was starting to question that for a moment. It's just getting a little thick in here right now. In the same way, friends, some of us may very likely call ourselves followers of Christ because we check our attendance box, because we check our belief box, because we check our good deed of the day box, because we tune in online, because we follow a social media page. Because we show up and we serve in some capacity somewhere doing something in the name of Jesus. But in Jesus' estimation, following him involved a commitment to be involved in the work it takes, listen closely, to be in relationship with him. I'll prove it to you. Jesus says, follow me. And then he says, for those of you that are going to follow me, it's like putting your hand to a plow. In other words, the plow, we we take that out of context and we go, yeah, I'm putting my hand to the plow and I'm doing something to break ground for the kingdom of God. The first ground in the kingdom of God that you have to break is the one where you grow in personal relationship with Jesus. It's the first one. And so what we see by way of example through what Jesus is inferring here is that to put your hand to the plow is the equivalent to committing to the hard work ahead in relationship with him so that you can grow a harvest. And friends, I got good news for you. If you're going to push a plow, you're going to tear some skin. You're going to break a sweat. It's not going to always be easy. I get it. For some of us, we think Christianity means comfort. This isn't my pillow. We are called to take bold steps. Anything anything that's good in life will come with challenges. Yeah. You better believe that. But we have to understand that the plow is an indication of breaking ground for the purposes of truly following Jesus by being in relationship with him. And sometimes we flip the script. We make it about doing for Jesus, and we equate that with being with Jesus. But friends, let me remind you, you are not created as a human doing. You are a human being, which means we must major on being, and in this case, being in relationship with Jesus. There's a time in the book of Luke chapter 10, we're going to turn there in a second, where Jesus is walking in this particular area with his disciples. And these two sisters come up with this bright idea. Hey, let's invite Jesus to our house. And Jesus and his disciples agree. And so they arrive in the home and these two sisters could easily to the natural eye be identified as followers of Jesus. Martha immediately goes to the back, wherever the back was, and we don't know exactly what she was doing, but the scripture tells us that she became occupied with many things, with making preparations is what the scripture says. So she's probably preparing some arroz con andules. She's probably making some tacos, right? Some tamales, right? Some habichuelas, right? Some pollo frito, Right, some tortones, some pernil, some curry goat. <laughs> yeah, man, you're not know me, so yard man, true and true. Yeah. Me love me some curry goat. Yeah. She's making all these preparations, and as she's preparing this, she's growing anxious. We know that because the scripture records that she comes out and she says to Jesus, not to Mary. Because Mary was at the feet of Jesus, and she was intent upon listening to what He was teaching. Yes, and so she comes out and we know that she's frustrated, she's overwhelmed, she's burning, and she says, "Jesus, not Mary, Jesus, tell my sister to come to the back and help me make these beans." <laughs> come on. Listen to what Jesus says to her in Luke chapter 10, starting at verse 41. Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you're worried and troubled about many things. Martha, Martha, you're worried and you're troubled about many things. Martha, Martha. You're worried and you're troubled about many things. Yes, sir. You're worried Come on. and you're troubled about many things. But one thing is needed. One thing. And Mary has chosen that good part. Now, you can't miss this point. Mary has chosen that good part, listen closely, which will not be taken away from her. Let's leave that scripture up for a moment. What is Jesus saying right here in this moment? Friends, here's the reality. Like Martha, if we base our relationship with Jesus on simply doing, doing, doing. Here's the reality, and I'm telling you this as a pastor. I know this to be true. Not that that's any better or any higher than anyone else. No matter where you are in your journey with Jesus, we're all on the same level because at the end of the day, we're all called to follow Jesus. Don't let the title fool you. I'm a man. I'm a person just like you. I face struggles just like you. I get overwhelmed just like you. We all do. Life gets heavy. And here's what I can tell you from my own personal experience, and I know that it relates to your life as well as to mine and many others. From these words, here's what we see to be true. That if our doing for Jesus replaces our being in relationship with Jesus, it will deplete you. It will not complete you. I am telling you right now by telling on myself I do, 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 do do a lot for Jesus but what I do for Jesus will deplete me unless my being with Jesus takes precedence whatever you do in the name of Jesus has to come from a place of being in relationship with Jesus that's the commitment That's the plow. And for some of us, we major on doing. And we're suffering because we're not being in relationship with Jesus. Next point I want to leave you with is this, is that we only lack commitment to Christ when we remain committed somewhere else. We only lack commitment to Christ when we remain committed somewhere else. The people Jesus referred to in these verses... Were no different than you and I. Why? They understood commitment. Some of you are going, no, they didn't. Yes, they did. They understood commitment. They understood that commitment means I'm saying yes to something, but I'm also saying no to something else. They understood that. They did that well. We all do commitment well. It may not be the right thing, but we do it well. We're all committed somewhere, to something, somewhere, somehow. Hence, these these were committed people. You see, one was saying yes in his commitment to his painful experience and loss. Another was saying yes to people he was in relationship with. But both were saying no at the same time to Jesus. They were saying no question. Are you saying yes to Jesus? Are you committed to Jesus? And if you are, does the proof of your life show it that you know how to say no in areas that will pull you away from that? Now, very quickly, before saying no to Jesus, Before leaving here and saying no to Jesus, think about what you're also saying no to. We're not going to put these on the the screen, so you might want to jot these down. John 14, 6 says this, I am the way and the truth and the life. See, before you say no to Jesus and commit somewhere to someone else, just realize that you're also saying no to the way for life, to the path of truth, to the abundant life that he promises you. Before you say no to Jesus and commit to somewhere else, just realize that according to John 3.16 that says, whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. If you're saying no to Jesus, you're also saying no to eternal life. You committed somewhere else, you're also committed to not having eternal life. John 15, 4, whoever abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. If you're saying no to Jesus, before you say no and commit somewhere else, just realize that you're also saying no to bearing much fruit, to truly having a fruitful, productive life. According to Acts 16, 31, it says, Believe in Jesus, you and your household will be saved. Before you commit to saying no to Jesus, so you commit to saying yes somewhere else, just realize that you're also saying no to what God wants to do in your home. According to 2 Corinthians five seventeen, If any man is in Christ, he is a new creation, the old is past and new has come. Before you say no to Jesus and commit somewhere else, just remember that you're also saying no to breaking away from your past and experiencing new life. Isaiah 53.5 says he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquity. The punishment for us to have peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed. Before you commit to say no to Jesus and commit to say yes somewhere else, just realize that you're also saying no to forgiveness, to peace. To healing. May I ask you a question? Will you say yes to Jesus? Will you commit? The last point I want to leave you with here today as we close is that we cannot expect a harvest if we cannot commit to breaking new ground. Let me say that again. We cannot expect a harvest if we cannot commit to breaking new ground. Listen, Jesus was calling people to follow him. And the promise that they were missing was, we're going to break new ground. Those rocky areas, those stony areas, those hurdles that exist in your life, those things that get in the way, we're going to break this ground. And we're going to get it ready to produce a harvest. I'm leading you towards a harvest. But these people would not commit to that, they would not commit to breaking new ground. Now, the analogy that Jesus used in this moment implies the commitment to follow Him, to be in relationship with Him, is not easy. But it is a guarantee for a great reward. Can I tell you something, Church at the Bridge? Let me bring this a little bit closer to home. It applies to our personal lives, but it also applies to what God has called us to do as a church. To take bolder, to make a bolder commitment, to take bolder steps. We've broken much ground, but we have to break new ground. We can't settle for yesterday's harvest, listen, those crops eventually will rot. Therefore, we have to do what is necessary both personally and as his church, as the church of Newburgh and beyond. I don't say that with pride. The Bible says that we are a city on a hill, that we are the light of the world. It's time that Christians and God's church begins to believe that and stand up to that and declare that wherever they go. Come on and give God some praise. We're talking about bold commitment. As followers of Christ committed to be bold to advance God's kingdom in Newburgh and beyond, a commitment to see people far from God come near to him, We are committed to put our hands to the plow. Here's what I've already accepted. There will always be some that will go, I'm not pushing in that direction. And that's okay. There's no judgment in that. But I am telling you that if we are committed in relationship to Jesus, then we have to be committed to the hard work of breaking new ground. We got to be all in. Today, before you leave, I want to encourage you to do something. Don't worry, we're not taking another offering today. But I do want to talk to you about sacrifice. Over the last 10 years, we have faithfully done the work of breaking ground. And we're seeing much fruit. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. Amen. Come on, we can clap for that. Yes, absolutely. Most recently, we purchased this building as a beginning because here's what we understand. This is just our starting point. And you've heard me say it, but today I want to give you something to pray about. We're going to be entering into a new campaign, and we're calling it our Boulder Campaign. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you first and foremost, not just to read this, Hey, somebody needs to hear this. Be mindful of your response right now in this moment. It says a lot about your commitment. Tap into that. Be aware of that. Don't let the enemy rob you. Don't go in a separate direction from Jesus. We're coming to the plow. In this brochure, what you're going to have is a couple of things. You're going to have a breakdown of what we, what the Lord is leading us to do. And you're also going to have a commitment card. We're not taking any offerings today. I'm not asking you to do this right now. I'm not even telling you that you have to. But what I am asking you to do is for the next couple of weeks until March 10th to pray over this daily. To meditate upon it daily. And see where the Lord would lead you. What we're going to be doing is, we purchased this building for half of what it's valued at. God favored us. We didn't even have to go through a bank. We got at a percentage rate that is half of what the percentage rates are out there for commercial buildings. The owner underwrote it for us. Come on, come on and give God some praise. Yeah, amen, that's, that's good stuff. That's the favor of God. Which means whatever we put towards this mortgage pays it down quicker. But here's what we know in three years, this building will be paid off. And we're gonna do this together. That's gonna take $500,000 to pay this building down completely. And we continue to go above and beyond what we're supposed to pay on a monthly basis. So we are stewarding this correctly. We've started the renovation process, we started with the offices. Now in the spring, we're gonna do the roof. After the roof, we're gonna renovate the entire sanctuary. All that's gonna be moved out. We're gonna expand bathrooms so you're not waiting in line for one person at a time, right? We're gonna create more room for seating that, uh, this whole area, the sound booth, everything's moving. We're gonna expand bridge kids. Last week, and every week, for weeks now, we are overrun with kids. Come on and give God praise for that. Also, pray for strength for our Bridge Kids workers. (laughs) Please do, because they are feeling it right now. But we have three classrooms downstairs. Actually, we have two, but we split one. But we need to create another another space for two more classrooms. We're going to do that. We're going to renovate this area. We're going to expand the bathroom so that there's more room for people. Right? And in addition to that, we're also going to, Redo the, the lighting and cameras. We're also going to work on our commercial kitchen. You didn't know we had one. Yes, there's a commercial kitchen here that we need to get up to snuff so that we can expand programming and resources. But the reason why we want to do that with this building, the renovations alone are going to take another 500000 And before you think that we're waiting on you, we already started. The offices are practically done. Give God praise for that. They're done. We're not playing games with this. So we're gonna devote 500,000 to the complete renovation of the inside and the outside of this building. We're gonna renovate the teen, the second floor for teens, and we're gonna make it more accessible and workable for them. But the other 500,000 that we're going to raise is going to be towards the purchase of a new facility. Some of you are thinking, why would we save for a facility we don't even know where it is yet? Let me tell you why. Because it's leverage. With a building paid, and additional funds ineffective, effectively there. Here's what that does for us. It gives us leveraging power for the purchase of a greater facility. Now, I know what you're thinking. What happens to this facility? Let me tell you what happens to this facility. We're not sure exactly yet how this can work, but we envision expanding our friends and family program to be something more that's a program that provides training and resources and creates pathways for people. In addition to that, this building will be used for other programming. We will invite the community in. We will do different things here that resource the community. We're not charging people for anything here. And if you've been around any length of time, you'll know this about us. We never lead with an ask. We always give more than we ever take. Why? Because that's how God works. But what I'm asking you to do is to make a bold commitment. I'm asking you to take one for you and your household. I'm asking you to read it and talk about it. Process through it. Wrestle with it. If it challenges you, that's okay. Talk through it. But as you ponder this bold commitment, here's what it's going to take. It's going to take you and I having bolder vision. Now, some of you are thinking... We're going to raise $1.5 million in the next three weeks? No, that's not what I said, but I'm not closed off to the idea if that's what God wants to do. What we're going to do is this. We're going to give you this commitment card on March 10th. It's going to be a celebration service. It's going to be a first fruit service. And what that means is your commitment is going to require, it. let me use that word loosely. What your commitment is going to look like is you're going to commit to bring the very best of what you feel the Lord placed on your heart. So let's just say God put in your heart 10,000, 5,000, 20,000 whatever that is. Of that lump sum, you will bring the very best towards that as an initial offering. But then what will happen is for the next 3 years, you'll break it down. You'll see we give you the calculations and everything. you'll break it down and over the next 3 years, you will give that however God leads you. It can be weekly, it can be biweekly, it can be monthly, it can be yearly. And there's very creative ways that we can think about giving as well. Sometimes we only think about the resources that we have based on the income that we bring in. There are many ways to do this. Would you stand with me today? Now, I know I'm in a space where we stand amongst lions. But this is where the rubber meets the road as Christ's followers. Commitment is not the equivalent of comfort. Commitment requires bold steps. And I am telling you right now, you watch and you see the thing that God does. I know we set this out for three years. I believe that we can do this in a year. I believe that resources and, and partners and people are stepping in and coming about and and we're just putting this in God's hands. We didn't conjure this up on our own. This is prayerfully thought out and considered. And I'm just simply asking you, would you make a commitment to Jesus? Would you make a commitment to the ground that he's planted us in? Would you make a commitment to walk with Christ and let's go on this journey together to see people's lives transformed, to make room for more people and build towards the greater future? the one that God has called us to. Now, if you believe that with me, would you give God some praise with me? Come on, we believe that. As we close today, I want to close with a scripture that I'm reminded of. It's one of my favorites. It's a life scripture for me. Psalm 37 says, Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him also. Listen, and he will establish the path ahead of you. See, the path is already established. The commitment is the key that unlocks it. So today as we close, I want to take a moment to commit. To get before God and first and foremost, to commit to relationship with him. To commit to being and not just simply doing anymore. To commit to following him. Not just following after tasks. Father, today we come to you humbly, transparently, with what's really in our hearts. You know us and you love us still, Lord. And Father, today we come to you in your name, knowing that we are your children, loved by you, chosen by you, accepted by you, paid for by you. And today, Lord, we are honest with you. You know our hearts. For those of us that have struggled with commitment, Lord, today is the day where we acknowledge it. We see it. And we, be, we begin to make a change. We begin to turn towards the plow. We commit to you, Lord. For some of us, we're committed but man, it's uncomfortable. And sometimes doing the hard stuff to be in relationship with you gets wearisome. Thank you, Father, that your word promises that we should not grow weary because in our well-doing because in due season, we will reap a reward. Doing good will produce weariness at times, but Father, thank you that the reward is a coming. It's before us. Father, today, above all, we declare that we love you, that we're committed to you, that we prioritize you above all because, Lord, we love you. And Father, I thank you that as we ponder this next step that we're taking at Church at the Bridge and what we're going to be doing in the community and beyond, Lord, I thank you that you are the one that leads us into all truth. You are the one that opens our understanding and shows us things to come. You are the one that leads us and guides us, provides for us, and empowers us. And so, Lord, we commit this to your hands. And we thank you, Lord, that in your hands it is blessed and it prospers.